Hello, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Lucy and I am the curate at NCS, currently based at Philly. And it's really great to, to be here this morning to share with you. So I have been given the incredible task of talking to you about the shoes of peace. So, as I'm sure a lot of you know, we're currently in a series on the armour of God um, from Ephesians 6. And we have had the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. And now it is the turn of the shoes of peace. So, what are the shoes of peace? Well, um, never is there a translation that actually calls them the shoes of peace, but the usual translations um, give quite a mouthful. So we have the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, or um, the instruction that we need to fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. But I think as we're talking about armour here, we can safely say Paul is thinking of shoes because I can't imagine many soldiers who would run into battle in socks, which is the only other thing I can think of that you put on your feet. So I think we can safely say they are shoes. When we think of the armour of God, especially when it's taught in Sunday school, in assemblies, if you went to a Christian school, I always remember a kid, pretty much every year there seems to be this assembly, a kid would um, be got up, stand at the front, and they'd bring all these bits of the armour to dress up in, everyone would get kind of excited, because isn't it cool, the Bible has war and battles. But um, the shoes, I'm pretty sure, were kind of overlooked quite often. They're not very interesting, the shoes, they're just shoes. We all wear shoes. But I'm going to convince you, I'm sure of it, over the next 15 minutes or so, that the shoes are absolutely vital. So when I was 17, I um, went on a trip down to Bristol to visit a friend. And being a fashion conscious 17 year old who wasn't very sensible, I didn't pack any shoes with, to go on this trip with me. All I had was a new pair of Primark shoes that I had just bought and um, which I wore on the coach down and I looked at them, they were so pretty. And then um, I got to, got to the city, met my friend and they didn't last an hour. We were walking around in the rain and the sole started to flop. Um, my toe was poking out underneath and I was feeling blisters at the back of my heel. It was horrible. And I didn't want to tell my friend this, I felt kind of foolish. So um, we started walking back to her house and it was a three mile walk. And I should have probably said, can we just get a bus? But for some reason I didn't do that. Um, and we got about a mile in and I just thought, this is ridiculous. I'm better off just taking these shoes off than I am carrying on with them. So I took them off and I walked the rest of the way home with no shoes on. Now, it wasn't the most sensible decision. I spent most of the time staring at my feet and not listening to the conversation my friend was trying to have with me. Staring at my feet, walking home, and then you'd get to a space of grass and think, oh, that's fine, grass is soft to walk on, it doesn't hurt. And it was on a stretch of grass that I stood in a shard of glass. That shard of glass was so, so painful. Um, eventually we did get it out and we got home, but the rest of the journey was horrible. When I was thinking about the importance of the shoes in this armour that, that Paul is talking about in Ephesians, the first thing that sprung to mind for me was that shoes are for protection. They protect our feet. I know it's basic, but I think it's really, really important when we think about the shoes of peace. If you're a soldier going into battle, the last thing you want to have to worry about is where you're putting your feet. On a battlefield, there could be all sorts of things that you could stand in that could impale you 
or just cause major discomfort or just be not very nice to stand in. And not having to worry about that means that soldiers could look at where they're going, they could face their enemies and they could look at where their comrades were as well. When I was, when I was walking in barefoot in Bristol, um, I wasn't listening to my friend, I didn't see any other views walking home, all I was doing was staring at my feet. So shoes protect us and help us to focus on what's important. So second of all, I think the next thing that's important about shoes is comfort. Uh, shoes need to be a good fit. A bad fitting pair of shoes is worse than no shoes at all, as that story demonstrated. Blisters are the worst thing when you're on a walk. They are awful. So a good fitting pair of shoes is vital. Now these shoes, the shoes of peace, and we are going to come on very shortly to looking at what that actually means and what the peace actually means. But these shoes were created by the same God who created us, so we can be pretty sure they fit very well. So we can just leave that one to the side. These shoes are comfortable. And the final thing that I think is really important about shoes and why I think Paul chose them to illustrate this point is that they indicate going somewhere. They indicate a journey. Now, I don't know if you're a shoes indoor kind of house. If you are, can I just say you're wrong? Shoes are for outside. They are to put by your front door, maybe even your back door if you have a garden that you can go into, but they are to go outside, to go somewhere. So I think that is why Paul spoke about the shoes of peace. He wanted to tell us that this peace is to go with us on a journey, to indicate a journey. So let's keep these three things in mind as we now turn to look at what peace means, to see what this gospel of peace that these shoes represent really, really is. Um, so let's bear in mind that they indicate going somewhere, that they are comfortable and that they protect us as we explore peace a little bit further. So we all kind of know what peace means um, and quite often when we talk about peace, it's quite a simple definition. Peace means the absence of conflict. It's a passive thing. It's indicated by the lack of something bad rather than the presence of something good. Or else sometimes we talk about inner peace. When we talk about inner peace, especially at the moment with the mindfulness movement, which is a really helpful movement, um, we talk about inner peace and I think it's usually representing a clearing of, a, of the mind, of getting rid of all the clutter, um, an absence of that chaos and that clutter from our minds. And biblical peace has something in common with these two things, but it also it means a little bit more. So in the Bible we have two main words that indicate peace. The first is in the Old Testament, shalom, and the second is in the New Testament, Irene. I said that in a really Yorkshire accent. I'm not going to say it again. These two words mean something more than just the absence of conflict. They mean completeness or wholeness. But even more than that, they're an action of bringing together complex or broken things into wholeness, of putting broken things right. In the Old Testament, when two warring groups of people make shalom, make peace, they don't only stop fighting, 
but they start working for the good of each other. They start supporting each other. It's Shalom that in Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, um, he looks forward to in the coming of the Messiah, the coming of wholeness, the coming of peace. And Jesus, we hear in the Gospels, was the arrival of peace. He is the arrival of wholeness. You know, we believe that he was a perfect human. He didn't have brokenness within him. And I think this is a really important point. Where there is sin, there is brokenness. Where there is sin, there is conflict. Inner conflict within ourselves, conflict with our neighbour, conflict between us and God. And what Jesus came to do was to restore that, to bring reconciliation, to bring wholeness, to bring peace. As Christians, one of the core, well, essentially the core part of the Christian faith is that Jesus died for our sins. And when we think of this concept of peace, we can, we can fill that out a little bit more. Um, where there is sin, there is conflict. And peace brings an end to conflict, brings wholeness to conflict. So when Jesus dies for our sins, it's not just that um, the conflict between us and God is resolved, is neutralised, which I think sometimes we communicate it as. It's that Jesus came to die to bring wholeness to our relationship with God, wholeness to us, wholeness to life. You know, like warring sides in the Old Testament, not the best illustration, but um, us with God, we now work together. We're invited to work with him, to have an intimate relationship with him. We're not just, it's not just like the slate's wiped clean. It's that we're now, we're now part of something, working towards this wholeness. It's interesting that one of the biggest peace anthems of the world, really, um, is that Yoko Ono song, Imagine All the People. And in that, one of the first lines says, imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. For her and for all the people who listen to it and play it at rallies and, and protests, for her, religion um, caused more of a conflict, caused more of an issue than it brought peace. To her, peace is about the absence of conflict. But I think when you're a Christian, when you have the faith that we do, we see peace as something so much deeper than that. Peace is represented by heaven. We're working towards wholeness, wholeness that can be realised now, but that is something so beautiful that we're looking forward to. So for me, an anthem about peace, you can't say imagine there's no heaven because for me that's imagining there's no true peace. I think we're starting to see that the word peace is quite a limited translation. Maybe reconciliation, restoration, renewal would give a fuller picture. So with the key things about peace in mind, the wholeness, the shalom, the irene, the reconciliation, the renewal, the rest restoration, have I said that? The restoration. And the key things about shoes in mind, that they protect us, that they com they're comfortable and that they indicate a journey. Now let's think about what Paul means by the shoes of peace, by equipping ourselves with the shoes of peace. 
First of all, peace protects us. The gospel, the gospel of wholeness, the gospel, uh, the good news that wholeness and restoration um, is how was brought by Jesus and is what we're looking forward to in the kingdom of heaven. That good news protects us. When the world throws things at us that try and break us, that wholeness of, of Jesus that is gifted to us freely protects us from it. And that peace is a perfect fit. The, the solution to the problem, the wholeness that is there to, um, to fix our brokenness is the perfect fit for us, like a perfect fitting pair of shoes. And lastly, and I think this is probably the most important part and the thing that Paul most had in mind when he wrote this, is that peace is not only a gift, it's a calling. And that's indicated by this idea of movement. We're called to live in peace. We're called to bring peace, to be active participants in peace, in making things whole, in restoration, reconciliation and renewal in our lives, in our relationships, and in the world. The gospel was never made to stand still. See, I really like the way the NIV um, describes the, sh the shoes, the, the translation it uses, and that is the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We have this gift, but this perfect gift instills in us the sense that we need to go, we need to do something, we need to share it. I don't know if you've ever been for a walk in a pair of running shoes. Well, I have. I um, quite regularly forget my shoes, as was indicated by the last story. Um, and I was on a holiday a, a couple of years ago and I forgot my hiking boots and we were going on a walk up a mountain and I just thought it's fine, I'm running shoes, what's the difference? But what I realised on this walk is that running shoes are ergonomically designed to make your foot land in a way that makes it bound off the pavement or the floor or the mountain. When you land in a pair of running shoes, you want to, you want to run, you want to go. And that's the same feeling that the shoes of peace, the gospel of peace should give us. That readiness, that eagerness to go and to share the peace that we've been given to make ground, to keep going, to make ground for the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of peace was never made to stand still. And for those early Christians, those early apostles and disciples and missionaries, the idea of shoes would have very physically represented the journey they were on to share the gospel of peace as they walked from village to village, from town to town, from city to city, from country to country, sharing this peace that they had received. And for us, the calling might be similar. It should be similar. To proclaim the gospel to those who need to hear it, or to help heal someone's sadness, to bring wholeness to people's emotional well-being, to heal unjust systems, and make them work for the wholeness of people and society. If true peace means wholeness, restoration, reconciliation, rejuvenation, renewal, they all begin with re, but they're all really important. If that's what true peace is, we should be working for all of those things. We're in the business of peace.
We're in the business of seeing and loving the brokenness and complexity of this world and inviting God to use us to help him restore it and bring wholeness. It's interesting thinking back to that Yoko Ono song that she clearly felt, as we said, that, that faith and religion did more to cause conflict than it did to bring peace. And for me, that's a challenge. If that's the way that we're presenting the gospel of peace, we're presenting it as a gospel of conflict, as a gospel that causes problems. I mean, we want to cause problems because problems need to be caused in this world. But if that's the way that people are receiving our message, then I think we need to reassess. So maybe after, after this service or after this talk, it might be helpful for us all just to take a minute or two and to think about where in my life is God calling me to bring his gospel of peace? Is there someone he maybe wants you to pray for? Is there a particular cause on your heart that you want to dedicate time to or money to? Is there a person that God wants you to care for? Finally, as we wrap up, let's just remember that as the soldiers of God in this battle, this battle, which let's be honest, the point of is to bring about the peace of God, which is why the shoes are so important. As we, we are part of this battle, as we are the soldiers of God to bring peace, we can put on our shoes, confident that they fit perfectly, that they will protect our feet so we can keep going and look at what's important. And that we can join in God's mission to bring wholeness, healing and peace to everyone and everything. Because that is what the battle is about allowing God's gospel to spread and his peace to reign.